comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Welcome to episode 110 of the Walking Dead TV podcast. I'm Jordan from Jersey, and as you're about to hear, we had some major audio snafus in this episode and some other technical snafus as well. So I apologize. It's uh, not as good as I'd like it to sound, but the other guys sound fine. So uh, please enjoy. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 110 of the Walking Dead TV podcast. I'm Jordan from Jersey, joined tonight by Mr. Aaron Newarth, Mr. Russell Latham, and Mr. Jim Dietz. How's everybody doing? Good. Doing well. I'm sorry I wasn't here last week to make a whole bunch of jokes about pudding. <laughs> well, you can make a whole bunch of jokes about the zombie President's Day weekend that we just had. <laughs> and uh, I think uh, I should start out by apologizing for, I think repeatedly in last week's episode, calling the episode Alive, maybe? Or I called it something other than After, which was the actual title. I even posted it with the wrong title until Aaron quickly let me know, hey, you got it wrong, so I fixed it. Thank you, Aaron. And I apologize. But this week's episode is titled Inmates... And it's episode 410. So this week we got a bunch of different stories. Before we even get into them, did anybody have a favorite of the three main stories? Um, I would say the Tyrese story just because any any episode that can make me scream at my television the way that one did it just seems like one that's going to stick out with me the most. Scream in a good way or scream in a bad way? Scream and well, I mean, the desired effect was to have you really frustrated with Lizzie and not know what's going to happen. So I, I'd say I guess that's a good way, but I was certainly not not happy. I'd say frustrated <laughs> is an understatement. Frustration was not not exactly how I would describe my feelings towards that character in her story. With that stated, I do think those characters are proving to be some of the most interesting to me beyond Rick Carl and Michonne these days. What about uh, Russ and Jim? Mine was the Glenn segment. I like Glenn's, I liked uh, Beth and Daryl's, and I think I'd agree, though, that uh, the Tyree story was my favorite. That just had the most moments of me being surprised or being revolted, or uh, it just had my attention the most. Well, somebody has to change a baby's diaper at least three or four times a day. I really could identify me, and I couldn't imagine trying to change one and also keep your eyes open for zombies. Uh, so that, that, that scene really got to me, so uh, that, I'd have to say that one as well. I certainly like the anthology method of storytelling this episode. I I wouldn't say that it was a perfect episode. We'll get to why and whatnot, but I I do like that like while I think after is a better episode than this, I think this one's almost more interesting to think about just because of the various reactions that this episode's gotten from everyone that's kind of responded to it so far. 
I actually preferred this one to last week just because more happened. You know, we got to see more of the story or more, you know, more. It seemed there, were, there was not only more progression, but we got to see more of what happened after the, in the aftermath more than just Rick and Carl. So, And Russ, what did you think of this episode in its similarities to the most recent episode of S.H.I.E.L.D. in that it both told uh, one time period, but a little bit disjointed. So you would see the aftermath of certain things before you'd see how they actually happened. Yeah, this one, I mean, the main difference is this one didn't really have a lot of overlaps. You know, we we saw a couple. So this was more like distinct stories than it was, you know, with, with S.H.I.E.L.D., I think they were just trying to tell, you know, the narrative from different points of view to kind of give you a 360-degree view of, of what was going on. Um, so I think both had their effectiveness. I did like this one a lot, though, with Walking Dead. And, and you know, we've talked before about, you know, when episodes focus on characters instead of jumping all over the place. And, you know, I think when we get to the end and we wrap things up, my thoughts will be a lot more succinct on why I, I like this episode as much as I did. Right on. Well, what do you say we get into the actual episode discussion then? Let's do it. Alrighty, The first story we get is Beth and Daryl. And uh, the the entire segment is kind of different than the others in that it's narrated uh, in, in a style. It, you're hearing Beth read from her journal or kind of read what she has written in the journal as we see the story of her and Daryl after they escape from the prison. We start out with them sitting around a campfire and uh, they're kind of debating whether or not they're the only survivors of the prison attack. Beth, of course, says they can't be. Um, Daryl says, you know, that he's not even sure that anyone did escape, and she points out correctly, well, we know at least some people did, because we did. And, uh, they decide to, uh, to see if they can track some of the other survivors. I think it's interesting in this part, at first, you know, Daryl is the one who's, like, not wanting to go on, and just kind of dejected, and, you know, frustrated, and not even willing to track to see if they can, you know, track the others. And, and Beth is encouraging him, and then by the end of the segment, it's the other way around. You know, Daryl is having to encourage Beth to go on. The pairing of this um, first segment was, it gave, it made me like cautiously optimistic because I'm like, all right, well, we got Daryl, so that's good. Beth's here. Let's see where this goes. I am not sure. I wasn't sure at this point of what, you know, what the episode was going to be like, if we we're going to follow just these two or these two and then some other group. But, and of course, it ended up being the entire group of survivors. So I was wondering how much I was going to be able to take of seeing the Beth-Daryl combination because I just honestly, I'm, I feel like... Beth has kind of been the weakest link of this of this cast for me uh, for The Walking Dead. So ideally, it could have been like, "Hey, this character's finally opened up and developed, or something, or not." And it just ended up like, "Oh, okay, it's just like this is the first part of the episode, and we move on." So, overall, I mean, the pairing was like fine. At least she didn't break into song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, this campsite is the same campsite we'll see later, right? Is that the first crossover we have? We yeah, we see this campsite. First, even though technically Tyrese and gang visited the campsite before they did in a time frame manner. Yeah. And did you guys notice on first view what you were supposed to be seeing in the foreground of the shot? Um, did you have any guesses of what it was or did it completely pass you by until later? I personally saw a rabbit that was like knifed because uh, my friend pointed like, what is that? And I was like, I think that's like a rabbit that looks like it's been cut up. <laughs> that's, that's what I saw or eaten either way. I had no idea what it was, but I definitely knew we were supposed to notice it, just because of the way that the camera was framed, and, and you, you definitely are going to see it. It's, it's white on a very dark background, so. Uh, so they, they head off into the forest, uh, following, uh, following whatever trail they can. They find some footprints and such. Eventually, they make their way down to the train tracks and fight off some walkers, 
Beth spots Luke's shoe next to a pile of fresh human remains, and she breaks down crying, with uh, Daryl looking on. Which guy was Luke, by the way? I was going to say, which one's Luke? Is that a kid? Or It was a small shoe, yeah, right? I, I, it looked like a kid's shoe, yeah. Yeah, that was... Because that was my basic assumption, that we, we essentially got rid of some of the smaller, younger... Younger members of the of the prison, and this was a way to show that without actually showing us, you know, see zombies chewing on people or you know little pe- little kids, uh, little people. little people. <laughs> uh, Warwick Davis did not make it out of the prison. Um, I I just yeah I that's that's what I gathered from that. But yeah, I, I didn't you know specifically note who Luke was or who Shu that was. So that's pretty much all of the Beth and Daryl portion. I mean, I think it was longer than it makes it sound like in our discussion, but. It was a lot of silence and, and voiceover and, and not a lot of actual plot points. Well, I think the one point that you might have glossed over is that they kept using the pages from her diary to start the fire. Yes, yes. I was kind of waiting for her to get to the point where she was down to only the pages that were already written on and for there to be some moment with that. But maybe they're just setting it up for a future episode. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was an interesting way to kind of contract because it was like it was just there's just the two voiceovers, right? There's the one at the beginning and the one at the end of the segment. If I'm remembering uh, right. that sounds right. Yeah. From from Wikipedia, Luke is a young resident of the prison community and is seen attending Carol's story times. Daryl saves him from advancing Walker during the breach on Sabak D. When the governor attacks the prison, he escapes with the children and Tyrese. Oh, okay. Beth and Daryl later discover Luke and Molly's bodies being devoured by Walkers kids which is the scene you just described right so two of the kids i do remember daryl picking up that kid during the the attack on cell d so we then transfer over to the second story of the episode and that's lizzie and mika or is it michael or mika uh mika so lizzie and mika sisters of course who were put in uh, carol's care after their father died and then when carol was sent away they kind of uh did their own crazy things until they met up with tyrese at the end of the first half of the season so of course they're still with tyrese they're walking, they're walking, they're talking a little bit, and then Tyrese uh, turns around and we see he's carrying baby Judith. So you can stop questioning, Judith is definitely alive, and the people who had theorized that uh, Tyrese could be seen carrying a small object uh, during the last moments of the first half of the season were correct. He really did have her. Yeah, good for you guys. I, <laughs> I didn't notice, but I didn't think she was dead either, so, okay. Yeah, I didn't think that she was dead either. And the funny thing for me is... You know, I'm watching the episode, I'm watching the episode, Judith is there, Judith is there, and it wasn't until the moment where, I think it was where he was changing her diapers, that I went, oh wait, holy crap, they just re- they've revealed that she's really alive. Like, it had totally went over my head. I had always assumed she was alive, that it didn't, you know, hit me the way it was supposed okay. to. <laughs> I just, it was between the baby crying and attracting the walkers, then him having to stop and change the diaper and everything... It was super tense. I mean, and like I said, having I, I really can identify with those activities right now. Um, when you would try to, I mean, sometimes the baby will just not stop crying. So. And and that tension is exactly for me why I'm happy that Judith is still alive. I know some people had issues with false drama of making Rick and Carl think she's dead and making the audience think she's dead when she's not. But for me, the story potential of having, you know, having a baby when in a situation like this is a lot of really cool dramatic stuff that I wouldn't want to lose from the show just for, oh, let's rip another person away from Rick and Carl. Yeah, and I, the approach, I mean, having it go this way, which based on kind of how the comic plays, which doesn't matter, but I mean, I would, I would rather see the previous week's story of just Rick and Carl and not Rick, Carl, and Judith and having, you know, have that in the background while they're also working out their father son issues. 
Right, yes, exactly. Who's yeah. going to be watching Judith while Rick is comatose and Carl is uh, getting pudding? Well, not only that, but Judith being gone is a key element to why things played out the way they did. Exactly, yeah. That's true, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm fine with Rick and Carl thinking that Judith was dead. I just, I never for a minute thought that Judith was dead from a viewer perspective. And I don't Agreed. think really anybody else did either. So to kind of overplay that as like they did, I think was kind of silly. Well, how did they overplay it though? I mean, we—it's not like we had like six episodes or something. We had like one episode, then it broke, and then I mean, we had obviously Rick and Rick and Carl weren't going to like discover Judith like the very next week or whatnot. I mean, I think they pretty much solved it rather quickly without putting too much drama on it. And they're giving Tyrese more to do, which I like. You know, rather than just having him stand around. Because, I mean, he was such an, an integral part of the comic. I really hope that they use him more as more of an integral part of the story in the, in the TV show as well. Rather than having him be more of a secondary character, it seems like, sometimes. Uh, so while they're at this first camp, which is, like we've already mentioned, the camp we'll see Beth and Daryl at later, um, there's three little bunnies sitting in a log, and then Lizzie kills them, which is not rhyming and also the worst nursery rhyme ever. But yeah, she takes out her knife and kills all three of them just off the camera, and uh, so that is definitely our clue that uh, our first clue at this episode that she is really, really, really messed up. And I think would I think we could say this confirms that she was the one killing and mutilating small rodents in the prison. Unless there's multiple people in this prison group who have a thing about killing small rodents. I think it's a fair assumption. I do too, and given that, you know, this episode did a lot to kill off pretty much everyone that's not a main cast member at this point, I uh, <laughs> I feel like it's pretty certain to say that Lizzie's responsible for that. I can't imagine her not being the one that was feeding the walkers outside the fences at this point, and I really hope my Carol theory that I we've talked about before comes true at this point too. I, I think it's looking more and more likely, yeah. and so kudos for you for calling it, because yeah. that's a really cool story twist. It is, and it makes me retroactively appreciate previous episodes of the season more, if that actually does come to fruition. Right. So the next morning, uh, the group finds some grapes, which later also Daryl and Beth came across, and they're picking the grapes when uh, Mika is startled by a noise, I believe it was a flock of birds, and she runs off, Tyrese has to chase her, uh, as he's trying to change Judith's diaper, and uh, Lizzie also gives chase, they find her. And they have a discussion about whether it's better to run away or to face the, the, the walkers. Uh, Lizzie, of course, wanting to face them and, and murder them in increasingly creative and creepy ways. And Mika just wanting to run away. And Tyrese is, is siding with, with Mika, but also saying sometimes you do have to stand your ground. But at least you want to stay with your group when you have a group. So if you're going to run, run with people, not away from them, which is generally good advice. How wonderfully logical and nonpartisan of Tyrese to jump in like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So as they're kind of, you know, reconnoitering, they hear screaming in the distance, and uh, Tyrese puts the girls back to back and uh, says he has to go find out what's going on. They need to keep an eye on Judith, keep an eye out for zombies, but other than that, he'll be back. He, he keeps re reassuring uh, Mika in particular, I'll be back, don't worry, but you, you just need to stay here with your sister and be as careful as you can, which leads to one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen on television, which is Judith starts crying because, hey, she's an infant, what are you going to do? Well, if you're Lizzie, what you're going to do is start to smother an infant for about two minutes of screen time uh, between cuts. Uh, I've already said this disturbed me. You guys run with this. What, what did this 
mean to you. What makes it worse is the face she's putting on. Like, she's yeah. not just, like, covering the mouth. She's, like, putting the face on it, like, oh, my God, what's going to – am I going to keep doing this? I, like, she's not confused by – She was channeling Michael C. Hall as Dexter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> for me as this segment was formulating and the baby was crying the the first thing that came to my head was that uh series finale of mash and i was like well you know that's kind of weird and then when she started actually smothering the baby it just really i guess it didn't shock me as much because i remember as a as a child seeing that episode of mash and being really wigged out by that so this to me just felt like they were maybe doing a callback to that um so it it didn't really bother me as mu- I mean, it, it did bother me. It didn't really set me off as much because I'd already seen that before on television. But again, I, th- I think it just really speaks to Lizzie's character and where her headspace is at that particular moment. I have to agree with Aaron. I think what disturbed me more were her facial expressions while she was doing it. Just like the, the way the actress decided to express that. It just was really, that was what it made it even more bizarre than the act itself. To me, anyway. It makes me wonder what the instruction was to her from a directorial standpoint. It's like, how do you get yeah. this kind of performance out of a child? And, I mean, it's effective. Like, it's not, you know, no one's condoning this. But, I mean, it certainly got a point across because, again, I was yelling at my TV, like, stop this. Stop this right now. Meanwhile, cutting back and forth to, like, the idiot brothers trying to fend off zombies in the least effective way possible while Tyrese goes to town on him with a hammer. <laughs> the yeah. zombies, not the brothers. Although that might have been just as effective. But, yeah, so while while this is going on, uh, Tyrese runs towards the screaming and he finds a set of railroad tracks where there's two men who are apparently named uh, Chris and the other guy is not named, just another man. They're fighting off a group of walkers and uh, Tyrese helps defend them off but is unable to prevent both men from being bitten. Uh, later, one of those men, uh, the one who's bitten second, will be the one who attacks Beth and Daryl. But then he hears Mika fire handgun because, of course, zombies found them despite uh, smothering or attempting to smother the baby. And so uh, he runs in back on them to try and find them. Uh, several walkers are closing in on the girls. We keep cutting back and forth. And Mika's trying to alert Lizzie that the zombies are coming. But Lizzie's just tunnel vision, yeah. you know, bloodlust, smothering the baby. You can hear that they uh, they kind of mute the sound a little bit whenever you're seeing things from her point of view. And uh, so Tyrese is running back. He's running back. And when he finds them, Carol walks out of the brush with the girls, all three of them just fine. So let, let's stop right there before I even go into the rest of the scene. Carol is reunited with the main cast. We knew it would happen, but it's exciting to see. It is exciting to see. I can't harp on it being too convenient just because I get that the show needs to cut. If depending, Given that it has to go somewhere and it only has eight episodes to do, or whatever, seven episodes to do so, it's. I mean, it's hard to say like, oh, it should have done, should have waited out on this because I need to see where the show goes first. But I can put that aside just because, yeah, it works. Carol's back and it makes for an interesting... Um, grouping between those four given what carol knows what the girls know and what tyrese knows which are all different things at this point tyrese doesn't what tyrese doesn't know would be the more apt thing because i mean he has no idea that she's the one either covering for the girls like you your uh theory posits aaron or the murderer of you know his woman yeah (laughs) so and i forget if it's before or after carol comes back but uh Lizzie even makes a snide comment at Karen's expense, saying, you know, we're stronger than she was because she's dead, right to Tyrese's face, which was uh, oh, yeah, I remember that, a yeah. twist of the knife. It was like before they, uh, he put them back to back. Right, I think so, yeah. Good move, by the way, put them back to back. That's something others can learn from instead of standing and not noticing a zombie coming behind you. It's just so frustrating, those people. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so after they meet up with Carol, uh, again, there's that man who, uh, who later attacks Beth and Daryl, but before he dies, he tells Tyrese and, uh, and Carol and the girls, follow the tracks this way. Uh, there's a sanctuary up the tracks. You'll be safe there. You know, learn from my, being my brother's mistake. You should be there. That's a safe place to be. And they see on a, uh, I guess it was a side of a, some shack or something. There was a, there was a sign that said Terminus and had a part uh, marked on the map. And of course, it's been pointed out many places. But Terminus is the original name of the city of Atlanta because it's where a railroad ended, Terminus, Terminate. Mm-hmm. That's where that uh, line of the railroad ended at a certain point in history. I don't know that they're saying that sanctuary place, the Terminus, is actually Atlanta, or if it just took that name, because you, you wouldn't think you'd want to go into the heart of Atlanta, but it could be maybe, uh, you know, some train, some big train station nearby Atlanta. I think the idea is they just took the name as like a, hey, that's fitting for... <laughs> and of course, this is, this is you know, referencing back that uh, radio message we heard in the first half of the season, uh, those who arrive survive, because that's written above the sign. Well, all the main railroad tracks would end at the terminal, the terminus point. True. On the railroad. So, I mean, you know, anybody from any direction coming in on, on a main railroad track would, would end up at the terminus. So, plus it sounds really cool. Exactly. Yes, yeah. it does. <laughs> yeah, it's a, good, <laughs> it's a good strategy for kind of getting people, getting survivors to come together because that's a central point that roads actually, or in this case, tracks actually lead to. I like the um, that old, the older man who got bitten who told Tyrese where to go. Like, I like that he's he's giving nothing but exposition, which is like, whatever, but... The guy acted the hell out of that scene for being his last words. So I was like, kind of fine with that. <laughs> yeah, and he's a walker in the other uh, segment, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, so that's why it's Doesn't like he show up again as a walker for a guy that's you know a minor actor that barely gets a name. And he's like, oh, good job, guy. Like you did a good job. <laughs> I like I like what you provided in this one scene. And I misspoke earlier when I said there was three stories. There's actually four, which we're about to go into the third. Um, but you guys have anything to say else about the the first two before I move into Maggie, Bob, and Sasha's story? The only other thing with that scene that really uh, stood out to me was the fact that Carol lied to Tyrese about her and Rick getting split up and what all happened. She she very quickly it seems figured out the fact that Tyrese obviously didn't know, you know, why she didn't come back or that the group was separated because he hugged her instead of hitting her upside the head. With yeah, hand. exactly, exactly. Um so I'm really curious to see how that's going to play out because I would almost think at this point Tyrese could just let it go just because of how crazy things are and the fact that he was able to keep the girls say, you know, I don't know how that's going to play out, but, um, and, and Carol's repair reappearance to me was pretty, uh, I was, I was totally okay with it. I mean, the fact that she would go back to the prison at a distance and kind of just kind of scope things out and maybe just see how it went for a while to see if maybe she could talk her way back into everybody's good graces so the fact that she was kind of there when all hell broke loose and was able to kind of piggyback on to make sure that her girls were okay, uh, I, I totally bought that. And it was it was just a great moment to see her show back up. Yeah, I agree with all that. And, I mean, to, to be clear, just in case some people don't haven't heard or don't forget, my theory is that I think Carol has covered up for Lizzie. I think Lizzie, she may have, Carol may have moved the bodies, but I think Lizzie might have been the one actually responsible for the deaths of Karen and David. So, uh, yeah. If that is the case, that could prove to be very interesting in the coming weeks. And as kind of we we see how Lizzie's dealt with, how Carol maybe breaks the news to Tyrese in a slow way, and how that eventually 
meshes with them presumably meeting up with other members of the group so i mean all all these things make for a potentially very intriguing kind of follow-up to that storyline absolutely yeah, I, I like melissa mcbride as an actress so i'm glad to see her back for sure Maybe, yeah you know, it's only been a few episodes yeah and if you know if my theory is not wrong then f- this show i'm out of here i don't know whatever <laughs> <laughs> you go aaron bleep that jordan <laughs> i i will consider it done uh, so in story number three, Maggie, Bob, and Sasha are in the woods by a quarry, and uh, Sasha is bandaging up Bob's arm, really his shoulder, I guess, technically. And uh, they're kind of debating whether they should camp there for tonight or whether they should go after the other groups and try to find them as soon as possible. Sasha is the one who wants to stay there and camp. Maggie basically says, yeah, you two go ahead and do that. I'm going to go find Glenn. And uh, Sasha says they can't split up right now. So... Maggie keeps saying she's going to go after Glenn, so Bob decides to follow her and tells Sasha, hey, like you already said, we can't split up, so we might as well follow her. Bob has taken lemons and making lemonade. Yes. I liked Bob more <laughs> in this episode than any other, I think. Agree. Yeah. I kind of, I made a somewhat snarky kind of comment in my written review that Bob is, he's given just enough to do to make you kind of forget that he's pretty much responsible for the death of one person and nearly the death of many other people um, based on his kind of old alcoholic ways getting the better of him but i mean i like lawrence killer jr I, I like sasha actually she hasn't like gotten a, like a ton to do on the show but I, I like the uh that the actress was senequa martin green i like them in general so i mean they they work for the show and if they're going to exist next to maggie who's just kind of like sad and then relieved i mean they got just enough so they, they head off down the road, and they eventually find the prison bus, which is filled with walkers. Uh, we don't really ever get an answer for what happened there, and I guess we probably won't. But uh, somebody must have been bitten during the escape or something. All hell broke lo- loose. And so they uh, they decide to open the bus, go through, kill every walker, and make sure that Glenn is either put out of his misery or that he was just not on the bus or escaped somehow. Um, so they decide to do it together. They open the emergency door, uh, they, they have a big old walker fight. Glenn is not among the walkers, but Maggie is not deterred. She heads onto the bus, but there's a few more, and it looks at first like one of the walkers that was under a chair or under one of the, the bus benches is Glenn. It's kind of a person dressed in a similar way with a similar haircut, and it at first appears that after Maggie deals with that walker that she is crying because it was Glenn, but even if we hadn't seen the uh, the previews for this week, which let us know that Glenn was alive and well, at least in the beginning of the episode, she eventually goes from crying to uh, smiling and laughing, and we realize that it was not Glenn, it was just some other walker that happened to be dressed similarly. Yeah, I, I avoid previews for upcoming episodes beyond your descriptions of them, which are always completely spoiler-friendly. Um, but so Spoilers, I, there'll be zombies. The prison group will have to deal with something. People want them dead. But even with, with that said, like, I I mean, Glenn wasn't dying in this episode. <laughs> like, that wasn't happening. That wasn't a thing that I thought of. So that's it for the Maggie, Bob, and Sasha story, unless anybody else had anything they wanted to add. It was, I think, the shortest of the stories, um, other than maybe Beth and Daryl's. But, uh, you know, it was emotionally good, but there wasn't a lot plot-wise to it. It's definitely the shortest, yeah, because there's not much going on. But the the biggest thing in this one is this having the bus full of, you know, every other red shirt that was on the show and, you know, promptly killing all of them off is a way of basically shrinking the cast back down into its core people, which is... It was darkly humorous for me. It's like, okay, well, that's, that's that. <laughs> no, no need to worry about them. And it means, you know, either we're going to have to add some more red shirts by the end of the season or more cast members probably dying. I don't see them really going a season finale 
without killing at least one or two people. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 that's kind this of... This is a, The Walking Dead, after yeah. all. Yes, exactly. Uh, I mean, people are going to have to die. It's not like it's, you know, Come House on. of Cards. Nobody dies on House of Cards. No, of course not. <laughs> or, or Breaking Bad. <laughs> so, story number four, the last of these stories. Uh, we start uh, back at the prison. And Glenn is alive, but he is... His back down on a on a prison walkway. I guess the one that was blown up in the mid season finale. Uh, a very weird shot. I like it a lot, but it was just kind of like, why is Glenn at the prison? Is this a dream sequence? What's happening? Um, he's kind of mostly on the walkway and a little bit hanging off of it, with a bunch of walkers just ten feet below him, reaching up and trying to get at him. Given that the show was largely surrounding people running through the woods and attacking zombies or being attacked by zombies, I. I did like the stylishness of the scene of having a shot like this where it's, you know, a lifting crane shot of Glenn just above the arms of zombies. You can kind of argue, I guess, that, oh, he must have left the bus and was, like, trying to rescue people and then zombies are after him. So he, like, climbed up somewhere high and passed out from exhaustion or so. I guess that. And I was happy they eventually did confirm that because for the longest time I was like, are they never going to touch on why he was there all of a sudden? Yeah, I mean, so, like, I can I can forgive the show for taking a shortcut and just kind of letting you assume and then kind of briefly throwing it away in a one-sentence explanation. But, I mean, it was a cool shot, so I, I like that. I like seeing that. So he heads back inside the prison uh, by way of the half of the walkway that he can still access, and uh, he gets some supplies, including Bob's bottle of brandy from earlier on in the season. So, hey, his alcoholism may have saved some lives in this episode. And uh, he finds the riot gear under his, I think it was his bed or Maggie's bed, and he lays down, and at first it seems like he's going to pass out, but then he looks over and sees the Polaroid he had taken of Maggie earlier in the season, and that gives him enough strength to get up, grab the rest of his stuff, and head out into the prison yard. In a, a more humorous episode, we'd have you know a lot of more quick cuts, followed by Glenn saying groovy at the end of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or it'd be shot like an 80s montage, you know, the, a peppy... Uh... That techno synth in the background. I just I thought I liked uh, what what uh, Glenn was doing. It was re- really smart for him to put on the riot gear, the riot gear, and everything that he grabbed. You know that seemed very very smart and well thought out. You know, as opposed to everyone else who left the prison, just like ah, and just ran. You know, went running with what they had on their back. You know, he was taking his time to to get what he needed. And it was a cool sequence with him donning the riot gear and then exiting the prison with a with a crowd of about you know fifty or hundred zombies. And basically just deciding to crowd surf through them and push his way through the crowd. As, you know, he's armored up, but still not completely protected. But uh, he does make it through. Uh, and then he finds or sees a person sitting on the other side of a fence, kind of in a little fenced-off area. At first I had no idea who it was. I actually thought it was a man because uh, the way her hair was down in front of her ears. I thought they were very long sideburns. But uh, it's Tara, Aaron's favorite person on the show. <laughs> It, I mean, the, it's the kind of – it's the annoying thing about seeing, like, the previously on the AMC's he's The Walking Dead where they show, like, the one scene of Tara and her fake girlfriend, like, hanging out. And it's like, oh, well, Tara's going to come back. And I'm thinking, well, if Glenn's going to see somebody, it's probably going to be Tara because she's probably somewhere crying at the prison. And there she was, crying at the prison. But uh, so at first he looks like he's going to just leave her behind and make his way out into the into the woods. But he changes his mind. He turns around, he talks to her for a bit, and she, you know, tells him, I was part of the group that attacked you. You don't want to help me. I'm just going to stay here. But he says, I don't really want your help so much as I need your help. I'm going to need other people to help me on this journey. And uh, so he eventually convinces her. They uh, make a, not exactly a Molotov cocktail, but close enough, uh, out of the brandy. 
and uh, they throw it into a nearby burnout car, which attracts the zombies away from them and towards the car, and they make their escape, taking out a few zombies in the process. To, to back up a bit, because I just thought of this, when um, Glenn's kind of passed out, and like then he sees Maggie's picture and like suits up and everything, if they started playing The Power of Love, and then he started blasting through zombies on the flag, you're <laughs> that would have been pretty amazing. <laughs> started jumping rope and uh, you know, one, <laughs> yeah. pulling a sled, pulling a sled up a mountain. Yeah, in terms of like action sequence to kind of get Glenn and uh, Tara out of the uh, fray, you know, it was good. Like I, I like seeing the riot gear action and the you know what what the what went to uh, making that scene work before getting to tearful confessions and whatnot. <laughs> and speaking of tearful confessions, uh, as they make their way down the road um, near the prison bus, uh, Tara reveals to Glenn. Kind of circumstantially or circumspectly, she's not meaning it the way she says it, but she reveals kind of, as an aside, the death of Herschel to Glenn. Because remember, Glenn was not aware that Herschel was beheaded, um, and so he now he finds out about that. Did anyone else hear when she told him about her sister? Did it sound to anyone else like she said, my sister and my nephew showed up? I just heard sister. I, and I barely heard sister, actually. It's kind of... I went back and rewatched it. It definitely sounds like nephew, and other people I'd seen online said the same thing. It's not. She says something about her sister and, and something about a field, but for whatever reason, the, the way it's said sounds a lot like my sister and nephew, and I was like, wait a second. Either that was a major glaring error, or this story just got way more retrospectively interesting, but it's not what she said. <laughs> That's... Oh, if it was the latter. <laughs> It's <laughs> like that's a really weird thing to drop on us in the end. That I, that was something I was waiting for because I it's like I knew but I kind of almost forgot that Glenn didn't know that Herschel was dead and for him to I mean that just kind of hit him like a sledgehammer obviously and and just the fact that he went through and you know said how great of a man he was and um, you know they made a point of him taking the watch in the whole in the whole nine yards but overall the Glenn segment I think is my favorite. The only the only negative I have, and this is like my biggest nitpick with the episode, was just the, and we, we kind of mentioned earlier, but the disjointedness of how Glenn got to where he was. Like, everybody else, it was obvious, like, how they were, where how they got to where they were. But with Glenn, I was just like, wait a minute, wasn't he on the bus? Like, what is he doing at the top? Like, and he was disoriented, and it just it just seemed weird. Like, he got from point A to B, and even though they explained it, it just still, it still seemed a little odd that he got from point A to point B, and they showed him where where he was at the beginning. And again, I basically agree with you, Russ. It is kind of, it's the oddest kind of setup, but it it was just, it was worth it for me just because it was kind of, it was stylistically different from, I guess, the rest of the episode. Oh, absolutely. Uh, just, yeah. So, like, it, it, was worth the, it was worth the cool shot to see a crane shot lifting over him. Yes. To... Yeah, that, and that's kind of why I just let it go, because it, it was just so well done, and it set up things so nicely, and just... Having kind of the a, you know a bunch of cool Glenn moments, which I don't you know we really haven't gotten for a while because he was sick for so long. So for for the episode to kind of finish with Glenn you know doing his thing like this, I, I just thought was a really really big plus for this episode. I mean, the best Glenn stuff we've got wasn't since like the middle of season three when Glenn's yeah. beating up a zombie with a chair. Like that was yeah. that was kind of the last like right. super awesome Glenn. Mode. I mean, I like Glenn. Steve and Stephen Yoon, I think, is one of the more consistent characters and actors on this show. Like, I think he does a great job. But the show is sprawling, and there's a lot of characters, and you know, you got to have your focus on kind of the main plot plot arcs, which don't didn't haven't really involved Glenn that much. So, I mean, it's it is yeah, it is nice to see him kind of 
have a moment like this to really shine. The one thing I, and I don't want to keep remarking on this every week, especially if she's going to become a bigger part of the cast, but I mean, Tara bugs me. And it's a, it's a mix of the actress and it's a mix of kind of just what her character, what's required of her character. I don't think she's terrible. And I think this episode did a decent job of interlocking her with the, you know, the, the core story, I guess, if she's going to be around longer. And it didn't hurt that on Talking Dead, I, I found her to be, you know, quite personable. So I just I, I want her to get better like that. I just want to like shake her and like be better on the show. But uh, <laughs> but I mean, she, she, she did what she could here. And I know I know I'm not alone in my thoughts on this, but I know there's others that also just are, are fine with her. I think you guys are actually fine with her. Oh, yeah. I really like the character. I like the character and the actress. Right, so, so I mean, we'll see where it goes from here. But I mean, it, it's still something that kind of is grading me. So I did like Glenn kind of giving her the sad eyes and saying, like, you're going to help me find Maggie. Like, I like that. Um, so after they have that sad eyes conversation, they're attacked by a couple of walkers, and uh, Glenn eventually collapses, ending the episode on his back, just like he started, which was some nice symmetry there. And uh, that means Tara has to take out the last walker on her own, and she does so by knocking it over and then smacking it in the head a bunch of times with the butt of a rifle. And at that point, you start to hear a the roar of a truck, uh, of a truck's engine, and we, we pull back and see there is a military truck behind her, and Tara yells at the truck for for not helping her and Glenn out, and out of the truck comes Abraham, Eugene, and Rosita, and Sergeant Abraham Ford says to Tara, you got a damn mouth on you, you know that, what else you got? Faithfully recreating the cover of issue 53, with the three of them standing there all in the same positions and such, and it was a very nice sight to see. Yeah, shout out to uh, to Brian Fuqua on the Facebook page, who posted that image to, with has the comic book cover sidelined with the um the actual image from the show because that that was i looked at that i was like wow they're posing that like, that's that's pose they made all right and then i i realized that yeah that's completely like right out of the comic so that was that was fun it's a little like for people that don't know the comic like all right who are these jerks but like, i like seeing that on the show well, like i said on the episode where we uh compared the comics to the the show or whatever i really like it when they do those uh like visual shout outs you know, to the comic, it's not, you know, following the letter of the, the story told in the comic at all, but, I mean, we definitely have the, the visual, you know, shout-out to that, that cover, that image, so I, I kind of like that. It was a really strong ending to an episode, and it was kind of cool because it wasn't really like a cliffhanger, it was just a good, you know, really cool ending to an episode where you don't even have a lot of despair, you know, we're getting a little bit of hopefulness, you know, to what's to come. Obviously, they found people that, it seems, aren't ready to kill them or take them hostage or torture them or anything crazy like that plus you know again it's total fan service to the fo- to the fans of the comic I-, I don't think in a gratuitous way i mean I-, I it seemed you know pretty natural that you know they they would be they come upon like they they did so i i just i was really just really happy with this uh it was a, it was a perfect capper to a solid episode for me yeah i agree with you russ so before we get into our Buster ratings for the episode, Russ, who is our sponsor? Our sponsor for this episode of the Walking Dead TV podcast is Discount Comic Book Service. That's DCBService.com, where you could save a ton of money on your comic books, trade paperbacks, toys, t-shirts, all kinds of uh, really cool stuff that they have that you could pre-order through the previews catalog or you know directly through their website, where you could check out all the, the cool stuff that they have available uh, some highlights this month, again, Walking Dead-related, issues 125 and 126, the, the climax to All Out War, uh, regularly $2.99. You can get them for 40% off at $1.79, which means next month we'll probably get solicited the next volume of the trade, which will be awesome. 
uh, if, if you're if you're getting it that way, and then probably some sort of hardcover or you know one of the other hundred ways that Kirkman likes to collect The Walking Dead. Also running right now in special are all of like the new. Uh, number one issues for the new Marvel Now are all 50% off, and then typically all new hardcovers and trades from DC and Marvel are all 50% off. They don't mind late orders. We're getting towards the middle uh, tor- middle portion of the month, so if you're like me and you always take your time and submit stuff late for, you know, end up getting it in the first few days of the next month, that's perfectly okay. They're totally fine with that. And again, uh, link up your Comixology account if you have one uh, with uh, Discount Comic Book Service to earn 5% back on your digital purchases to any kind of physical purchase that you can use at dcbservice.com, which is a really cool feature. And also check out their sister site, instocktrades.com, where if you meet a $50 minimum order, you get free shipping. And again, they have really awesome discounts. They typically rival, if not beat, discounts you can get on those books on Amazon. So uh, I highly recommend you check that out, either dcbservice.com or InStockTrades.com. We thank them for their support of the Walking Dead TV podcast. Indeed we do. So, Buster ratings for this episode. Aaron, out of five Busters, what do you give it? Um, I guess I would go with a strong four Busters. I think the episode was different from last week where you had a you know, much slower-paced, very focused episode. This was a obviously more sprawling episode that decided to check in with everybody as opposed to just a couple characters like we thought it might or might not. Overall, I mean, it, it's it was fine. I mean, I, it certainly it just got it got things moving for the rest of the season, and I, for the most part, enjoyed seeing each of these characters separately. I'll give it four point seven five, which is one of the higher ratings I've given to a show in a very long time. And to me, this episode was almost flawless. The only knock I'm really giving it is just that disjointedness with Glenn a little bit at the beginning that just kind of had me scratch my head a bit as to what was going on, but. Doing this in little vignettes, just getting us, you know, uh, a few minutes at a time of whatever what was going on with everybody, getting us caught up, moving the story along at a at a pretty brisk pace, not really wasting any time on exposition or just people kind of being moody. The, the bit with Maggie on the on the bus, I thought was just was so awesome. I just was really blown away with her performance. I mean, you know, and then the fact that we never really got the reveal, you know, for her standing in that bus. And just completely break down. And we know that she broke down because it wasn't Glenn. But, you know, knowing the show and knowing the comic and knowing nobody's safe, I mean, I wasn't completely convinced that they might not try and pull uh, Killing Glenn. So it, it kept me kind of on the edge of my seat a bit. But it, it was just really, really well done. And I was really, uh, you know, just really happy with it overall. I, I, I can't think of anything, like I said, other than that one little bit that I would have changed or done different. Um, and and like I mentioned before, the the whole spotlighting Glenn and kind of putting the the focus back on him a bit, and giving him something really good to do, I thought was was solid, and I, it just just highest praise for me for this for this episode. I give it a solid four busters out of five. I like the 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 conceit of having Daryl track, uh, you know what had gone on before and the whole you know disjointed time thing. I thought that worked really well. I like the way they had the different vignettes with the different groupings of characters after what happened at the prison, and we got to see a little more of the aftermath, the fallout, who ended up with who, where they ended up going. I like the way they set up the Terminus stuff. I think that should be a interesting story thread going forward, and it could it could play out to be something uh, really cool. And plus, it gives us you know somewhere to go now that the prison is gone. You know, rather than just having everybody wandering around. 
uh, aimlessly. I'm glad to see uh, Melissa McBride back as Carol. I, I really like what she brings to the table, both acting wise and her character and the the, te- the tension between her and Tyrese and, and all that, and see how that plays out. I just thought it was a pretty strong uh, episode overall. So, uh, four out of five. I will give it a four and a half. I enjoyed the episode all throughout. A few little minor things here and there that that bugged me performance-wise, but nothing particularly major. I, I really love that Tyrese story, particularly the Lizzie stuff. As creepy and disturbing and terrible as it was, it was the kind of creepy, weird, disturbing stuff I kind of want to see on this show. Not all the time, but but occasionally. So I really love that. I, I love the, the Glenn and Tara story. And the other two stories were fine as well. They didn't really blow my mind, but they were good. So for me, four and a half. What did our listeners on Facebook think? Well, it's kind of all over the place, actually. And by the way, if you'd like to join our Facebook group, that group is the Walking Dead TV podcast group. Uh, we already have over 500 members, and it's pretty awesome. And we uh, post a lot of the news that's going on, a lot of uh, good discussions going on there, a lot of discourse that you enjoy. So if you enjoy the show and you want to talk about it with a lot of other people who do, definitely go there and check it out. Um, but the scores for this episode are kind of all over the place. Uh, four out of five for Cody Hinkle. Daryl closing him off again is a nice de- himself off again is a nice development. Uh, 4.5 squashed elderberries out of five uh, from Carl Hooker. I like the longer sequences on character storylines instead of jumping back and forth. Uh, Mike Jones, 2.4 or 2.5 children of the corn out of five. Other than the season three finale, this was his least favorite episode ever. Uh, four. Uh, Sarah, Han- Sarah Ann Howard, 4 out of 5 walkers on the bus. Um, Everard Santa Maria, 4 out of 5 psycho victim bunnies. Uh, Tr- uh, Trisha Terrell Collins, 3 out of 5 let's smother Judas. Ouch. Jeez. Seemed too disjointed other than some nice touches like Carol returning. A 3.14, I guess that would be a pie out of 5 for Terry Bernard. Uh, Shalom Vega gives it a 3 out of 5. Why would you close the door, Glens? <laughs> uh, two out of five psychopath preteens from Craig Demanda, uh, Leslie Johnson, two, uh, 4.25 depressed Daryls out of five. Three out of five Judith freaks me out from uh, Daryl Taylor. <laughs> uh, I like the episode for one particular reason, and that is I am glad the show is giving uh, the other actors some screen time. Uh, two out of five T Dogs from Philip Hurd. These kids be getting on my nerves in the first two episodes back. More of Daryl and less whining at Daryl, please. Um, four out of five walkers do a flame for me and Tim's. Four walker to bus headbutts out of five from Elisa Gonzalez. Uh, 3.5 damn it's Abrahams out of five from Shane Jenkins. I know a lot of people who follow the book uh, are really happy to see those characters. Four out of five walkers do a flame for me and Tim's. There may be some doubt over Judas' father. But with crying like that, we know who the mother is. That made me laugh so Ooh. much. That was good. Ooh. Oh, was... my. The Lori hate continues, even though she's gone. Somebody's got to start the slow clap, right? Someone's got jokes, and they made me laugh. That's what they had. <laughs> <laughs> um, three out of five soiled diapers uh, from Roger Austin. <laughs> uh, while it was nice to catch up with the rest of the crew, the kids were pretty damn aggravating. And again, uh, if you'd like to join us, it's uh, the Walking Dead TV podcast group on the Facebooks. Check it out. And now, Aaron, you're posting your written Walking Dead reviews in a new place online, aren't you? So why don't you tell our listeners where they can find them? Yeah, sure. Um, it's called it's a site called theyoungfolks.com. Um, obviously, I've been uh, posting reviews on the uh, Walking Dead Facebook page for under uh, my own blog, the Code Zika.com, and of course, hhwled.com. And, but I've been uh, basically drafted to uh, start uh, posing for another site, which has a, 
wider a wider readership, which I'm you know happy to participate in. So uh, unfortunately, not necessarily unfortunately, but I can't I can't post it in multiple locations anymore. So it's just going to be purely at theyoungfolks.com. But it's a it's a cool site, and I I have some friends that also write on that site, including Maxwell, who co-hosts the Icapod Cranecast with me. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, continuing to to post there and see where else that goes. Very nice. We did have a voicemail uh, this week, but I've had some weird technical stuff going on, so I wasn't in a position to set up to play it, and it came in really late. Uh, I didn't get it until just before we were getting ready to record. So uh, hopefully maybe we'll play that at the beginning of next episode to kind of recap uh, this discussion from this week. Yeah, that'll be fine. Well, until next time, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail that we'll hopefully be able to play in that particular show, you can do so at 972-798-3830. Or send us an email, comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Check out hhwlod.com for all of our great shows like Half Hour Wasted, The Long Box of Doom, Black Box, Out Now, Jersey Shore, The Icapod Cranecast, Shaken Not Stirred, the new James Bond podcast, and many, many more. And you can follow us on Twitter, at WDTV Podcast, and at HHWLOD underscore network. And so until there's no more room in hell in the dead walk the earth, remember, I don't care if it's Korea or the zombie apocalypse, Please don't smother babies. It's just it's just an awful thing to do. Yeah. Have a good week, everybody. Suicide is painless. <laughs> <laughs> so next week on The Walking Dead, and if you don't want to know anything about the episode whatsoever, just uh, head out now and have a good week. But next week on The Walking Dead, episode 411 is entitled Claimed. And the episode synopsis we have is Rick is faced with multiple immediate threats while other group members deal with the past. So that's something. Have a good week, everybody. Hello. Go and get your riot gear. Swing